Great to have you along for the ride. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Really glad to have this man on. He's the Attorney General of the great state of Missouri. It's uh, Andrew Bailey. Andrew, how are you? Good to see you. Doing well. Thank you for having me on. Well, you are doing well because you're, you're speaking out against these ridiculous Soros DAs. And I want to bring up just, just down the road here, we've got a guy named Gonzalez. I think it's Joe Gonzalez. And uh, Soros injected a million dollars in that campaign to get him elected over a moderate Democrat who ended up being a Republican, actually, Nico LaHood, who was doing a very good job in, in fighting crime. In New York, we've got Alvin Bragg, who's now going after President Trump for political reasons. He's a guy that took uh, 52% of all the felonies and knocked them down to misdemeanors. And then, of course, you've got uh, your, your own Soros DA. Uh, in St. Louis, and and these people just don't seem to understand law and order. So let's start from the very beginning, if you don't mind. What is the job of a district attorney? Can you just decide what laws are laws and which ones aren't? No, not at all. And for me, it's about the rule of law and justice for victims. I come from a prosecutor's office. I've dedicated my professional career to criminal prosecution, and I got to work every day and wanted to enforce the rule of law, work with law enforcement officers, support them, and find justice for victims. And so when I see prosecutors that are differently motivated or aren't motivated for those objectives, that's a problem. Prosecutorial discretion is about evaluating a police report and determining if you have sufficient evidence to file a charge, what the charge should be, and ultimately what the appropriate disposition in the case should be. Prosecutorial discretion is not authority to nullify law. To treat it as such is to undermine the rule of law. And so when you get activists parading as prosecutors, we are undermining the rule of law, and we've got to hold those people accountable and get forward progress in getting them out of office and restoring the rule of law. Republican Attorney General of the great state of uh, Missouri, it's Andrew Bailey. Andrew, I'm confused about how it works when it comes to uh, what sort of recourse there is to take against a prosecutor who's not doing the job. In Florida, I know that DeSantis actually suspended a prosecutor who said, I'm not going to uphold some law about abortion or about uh, talking to, uh, talking about sexual orientation to little kids at school. And of course, DeSantis said, well, then you're suspended. You can't have the job. Here in Texas, they can't do that. I think the legislature would have to vote to, to uh, suspend or censure this guy in San Antonio. How does it work in Missouri? Well, in Missouri, we have a statute on the books that creates a legal procedure, an equitable legal procedure for removing an elected official who refuses to do their job. And when it comes to prosecuting attorneys, it's, the statute specifically empowers the attorney general to take that action. And so that's what we've done. We've initiated a legal proceeding against Kim Gardner, the Soros-backed uh, circuit attorney in St. Louis City. And what we've seen is that rather than protecting victims from crime, she's creating more victims by her refusal to prosecute cases and refusal to enforce the law. And really, there's three claims here. Okay. Number one, she's failing to prosecute cases after they're charged. They languish on the dockets and are eventually dismissed. Number two, she's failing to confer and inform victims, which under Missouri state statute and constitution, she has a legal as well as a moral obligation to do. And finally, that she's failing to file new charges referred by the St. Louis Metropolitan Police Department. And so this is an unlawful refusal to do her job, and we're going to hold her accountable. It is uh, Andrew Bailey. He's the AG of the great state of Missouri. Again, here in San Antonio, I've got firsthand experience with this guy. He's not going to prosecute uh, pros uh, prostitution, not going to prosecute some drug crimes. Um, he's very, very light on crime. And then you've got the guy on steroids in, uh, in Alvin Bragg who decided nobody's going to be sentenced to over 20 years. It's got to be a major felony like murder to even get any jail time. In fact, he doesn't want to incarcerate, uh, incarcerate anybody. At what point did these prosecutors think they had the right to decide what a crime was? I didn't know that the prosecutors decided this is a felony, this is not. I know that you've got some, some whack jobs in California who say you can steal $950 from the CVS and we're not going to prosecute you. That's just some idiot in the legislature that passed this ordinance or rule or law. But prosecutors don't have the right to change a law, do they? 
No, not at all. Look, prosecutors are members of the executive branch of government. They have rule law enforcement authority. They have law enforcement responsibility. And so there is no authority of a prosecutor to nullify a law after the fact. Certainly our founders understood that the separation of powers was important. And that you'd have one branch that makes law, one branch that enforces law, and one branch that interprets law. And so the, those branches are separate in order to maximize liberty and to maximize freedom and so that our system functions properly. And so when you see prosecutors perverting that system by taking on law uh, enforcement, law nullification, and law adjudicatory authority all in one person, that is exactly what the founders feared. And in this instance, it's hurting people because it's undermining the rule of law. People don't respect the law if they don't see it enforced. And so prosecutors don't get to decide what the law is. That's what our legislative bodies are for. And also psychologically, if you're a criminal and you're not being punished, why would you stop? Yeah, exactly. There's no deterrent effect if we're not enforcing the law. And you see that top to bottom. I mean, President Biden does that all the time. He refuses to enforce laws at the border. Uh, he refuses to uh, abide by a congressional statute, expands congressional statute beyond the plain text of the law. And so it, it's incentivized the radical left to do that. You know, we used to elevate the rules of the game above the players and the outcomes in this country. But the radical left has jettisoned that. And these, these Soros-backed activist prosecutors are just where the rubber hits the road. But unfortunately, People are getting hurt and killed. And so like-minded individuals have to stand up, reinforce the rule of law, and hold these individuals accountable and get progress in removing them from office. You know, the job at hand is much more important than this, but philosophically speaking, do you have any idea why Soros wants, uh, wants uh, anarchy in America, why he wants more crime, why he wants people to not be punished for when they do commit crimes? Any clue why this guy wants this? I, I don't know what motivates these individuals. I'll tell you, it's disturbing. It's frightening. Chaos as a compared to order, uh, you know, rule of law compared to, to, to victims in the streets who, who are dying. Things are broken. Th people are, are hurt and maimed. I mean, it, it is a national tragedy. And in, in the state of Missouri, it used to not matter if you're a, a Republican or a Democrat. Prosecutors prosecuted law. And in fact, we have 114 counties plus the city of St. Louis. So 115 different jurisdictions. And by and large, prosecutors in those jurisdictions enforced the law. And so now we just have this one isolated incident where you've got an elected Soros-backed prosecutor in St. Louis City who is knowingly refusing to enforce the law, willfully refusing to, to do her, her statutory and constitutional obligation. And so uh, they've got to be held accountable. I don't know what motivates them. What motivated me as a prosecutor was the rule of law, supporting law enforcement and justice for victims. And it breaks my heart that, that other prosecutors aren't similarly motivated. Attorney General Andrew Bailey from the great state of uh, Missouri. Is Kim Gardner the same one that prosecuted the, the McCloskeys? She is. So, so what, what do you think about that situation? Now, I know the case pretty well. You, know, you probably know it a lot better. But these people literally broke through a gate at a gated community and just started uh, protesting in the streets loudly. It wasn't peaceable. They broke something. They committed a crime. They shouldn't have been there. Right. They were trespassing. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So I, I'm a gun owner. I'm a Second Amendment guy. Somebody, I've got a gate at my house. If somebody breaks through the gate, do I not have the right to brandish a weapon and say, you better not continue coming this way? Uh, do I not yeah, have that right? Do. Yeah, you absolutely do. I mean, the founders certainly understood, and the, the drafters and ratifiers of the 14th Amendment, which incorporates the Second Amendment against the states, understood that we have a right to keep and bear arms to protect ourselves, our families, our neighbors, and our property. And that's exactly what the McCloskeys did. And so I was actually a general counsel to the governor at that time and worked on that pardon paperwork to make sure that the McCloskeys got clemency because of uh, we had to undo what this radical left-wing circuit attorney had done. I mean, she was more interested in going after lawful gun owners who were defending their property right. than the trespassers who, who destroyed property and 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 were, were going after the McCloskeys. And so it's, it's a completely, uh, you know— it, it, 
are the, the attention is on all the wrong things. Yeah. The motivation is on all the wrong things. And so, uh, again, this is just one more example in a continuous pattern of her behavior, of her unlawful refusal to do her job correctly. You know, to, to prosecute them and then ignore these massive crimes that are happening and basically pocket veto, not, that's not the right terminology, but not do anything to where it just dies. And as you said, yeah. the cases are dismissed. It, it makes me crazy. Andrew, in your heart of hearts, and, and I think there is, and I'm not a racist guy, but is there a race component here that we're somehow getting payback for 400 years of alleged you know, wrongdoing? Is that what's going on? Because in almost every single case, you've got a situation where you've got high crime areas where they're, they're alleging that less crime is happening by calling them misdemeanors or, or not even uh, prosecuting at all. Is this about race at all, do you think? I think this is about a radical left-wing social agenda, and my heart goes out to the people in our urban communities of any race. They're suffering the most, aren't they? Yeah, exactly, who are being victimized, who are being made victims of crime because elected officials are refusing to do their jobs. And my heart goes out to those people, and I hope that they understand that I am motivated to move in and help protect them, that the rule of law protects all of us equally. And the people in our urban centers should enjoy that the same way that, that people in the rural areas should, that safer streets equal prosperous communities. And so we've got to reestablish the rule of law and put an end to this silliness. Well, well, that's exactly right. The reason I bring up race is because it does happen in lower income areas, higher crime areas, happens to be more urban areas where there are more people other than whites who are out there suffering because these people who are not being prosecuted aren't going to the white neighborhoods, aren't going to the rich neighborhoods. They're going back to the neighborhood where they came from, and they're, they're committing these crimes on those people. So let's look at Chicago quickly, because that's, that's the, sort of the, the comparison I want to make. Lori Lightfoot is out, because she didn't do for those neighborhoods that what she should have done. Um, it's almost like 1990 or 91 New York, where Rudy Giuliani won in an extremely blue city, and George Pataki won in an extremely blue state, because eventually people say, I've had enough. Are they saying that yet in St. Louis? Are they saying that yet in Missouri? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, look at the elected officials from across a political spectrum who have come out and said, it's time for the circuit attorney to go and for the rule of law and justice to prevail. It's uh, Andrew Bailey. I want to get into some other stuff uh, while I have you. Um, I know that you're investigating a a, a St. Louis pediatric hospital. Uh, It's a clinic, a transgender clinic. That's a misnomer. How could it be a transgender clinic if nobody's doing transgender surgery or puberty blockers before people turn 18? We've been told by the trans community, nobody's doing this to kids. Nobody under 18 is being affected by this. And you're saying they are being affected by this. Oh, absolutely. Look, we've had a whistleblower come forward and has made some really serious allegations about what's going on at this particular clinic. And so we marshaled state resources and began an investigation because for me, it's about protecting children. I'm a foster parent who's adopted kids out of the system. I know firsthand what it means to protect kids. And we're not going to allow this kind of child abuse on my watch. And so we're taking every measure at our disposal. We applaud the General Assembly's recent efforts in this space. And we we are confident in the ultimate outcome, which is going to be that if there's wrongdoers out there, we're going to find them. We're going to leave no stone unturned and we're going to hold people accountable. We know for a fact that puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones are damaging. They can lead to blindness. They reduce bone density. They cause long-term permanent health problems, both physically and psychologically. And so why aren't we treating these kids with psychiatry and psychology when they come in with a mental health problem instead of racing to uh, cross-sex hormones, puberty blockers, and ultimately surgery that's irreversible? 
I mean, th th this is a, this is scary stuff. The eyes of history are upon us. We will be judged by how we confront this issue today. And I'm happy to be leading the efforts of the state of Missouri on this issue. I'm glad you've got a backbone on that, Andrew, because of the, at the end of the day, people are afraid they'll be called as something a phobe or as something ist if they dare take a stand that is, let's protect kids. And I'll make this comparison quickly. There, the two stories recently, I believe in New York, where um, a bunch of kids, five children from the same family died in, in a car accident. The driver was 16, had just gotten his or her license, wasn't very experienced, and the story now is maybe we should wait to not to, to let them driver's license until they're 17 or 18. Okay, but you can change your sex at four or six yeah. or eight or 12. So we've got to make well, a decision. I mean, at, at what point do we say somebody is an adult? I thought it was 18. And before 18, it's up to the parents to, and, this, and society to protect the kids, no? No, I totally agree. I mean, parents have an obligation, a responsibility to, to appropriately parent and take care of the kids, not lead them down the, this terrible path. And and in the state of Missouri, you can't get a tattoo until you're 18. You can't drink a beer until you're 21. But right. yet somehow we're going to trust kids to make decisions about what their gender is. And let me say more broadly, I mean, gender is an objective reality determined by genetics at time of birth. It is an objective reality. It is unhealthy to deny objective reality in the same way that it's unhealthy to deny the law of gravity. And so that's just a, a basic axiomatic principle that we need to, to rally around and to restore some kind of sanity to this whole conversation. But at the end of the day, we're going to take every legal measure we need to to protect children, to make sure children are safe, and to make sure that a radical left-wing agenda is not masquerading as medicine and yeah. is used as an excuse to abuse and mutilate children. I couldn't agree more. It's objective. It's it just objective. This is, objectively, this is what we are. When I was in school, I'm older than you are, I think, um, uh, I, we didn't get sex ed till seventh grade. I was 12 years old, and my parents had to sign a form saying that they could talk about human reproduction to me in a public school. Now, if you're five, six, seven years old and say, you know, teach, I think that I'm the opposite sex. I think that I'm a boy when I'm a girl or vice versa. The teacher will, now some of them will now not even tell your parents that you're doing that. Different pronouns in school. Are you finding that in Missouri, too, where some of these teachers are going, don't worry about it. I'll call you something. I'll call you Susie, although your name is Bob, you know, uh, in front of your parents. Yeah, it's, it's seeping into public education. It's seeping into society at large. And we've got to take a stand on this issue. Yeah. And again, just restore some kind of sanity to this conversation. You know, folks can call me whatever they want, but they're at least going to acknowledge objective reality and that gender is an objective reality in the same way that the law of gravity is an objective reality. Attorney General of the great state of Missouri, Republican Andrew Bailey. Andrew, one, one last topic. And thanks so much for coming on. Come, come back again soon. Um, Joe Biden in his campaign, and it wasn't even him. I don't think that he knows anything about this stuff. But whoever was running his campaign colluded with big tech. They hit a bunch of stuff, hit Hunter Biden's laptop, hit everything. If somebody said something that was not what they liked on, on Twitter or whatever, they had Twitter take it down. Don't worry, we handled that. You've actually said that um, the Biden administration, 1,400 facts are showing that they colluded with big tech against people like you and me simply because we wanted free speech. Fill me in. Yeah, this is about protecting the Constitution and our First Amendment rights. Like, it wasn't just collusion between the White House and big tech social media, woke big tech social media corporations. It was coercion and collusion because what President Biden and his campaign did was threaten to uh, attack big tech social media with antitrust laws yes. or to remove their uh, immunity from civil liability. And, and and then once he was in office, they did the same thing from the, the podium of the, the White House uh, from the podium of the White House uh, 
press conferences. And so we, we see that kind of coercion and collusion. And then we also we have specific emails where members of the White House team were, were contacting members of big tech social media and asking them to remove uh, disfavored content. And the content they disfavored just happens to be conservative voices they disagree with. Yeah. We know they worked with the FBI to, to plant this idea that the Hunter Biden laptop story would be Rus- Russian disinformation, despite the fact that the FBI had the Hunter Biden laptop one year before the election. So now we're getting into some election interference issues. We've got First Amendment issues where they're suppressing free speech. You know, the remedy in this country for disfavored speech has always been counter speech, not government censorship. Right. At the end of the day, the Constitution is worth fighting for. We're going to continue that fight all the way to the United States Supreme Court if we have to. The FBI paying millions of dollars to Twitter for them to do what they wanted them to do as well. And you're right. Jen Psaki at the press uh, at the press room, the press secretary herself, if somebody is banned here, they should be banned everywhere. That is certainly government twisting the arms of big tech. So in in less than a minute, what's the relief? Is the relief changing 230? Is the relief that the government gets fined? What happens? Well, in the short term, we're going to go to court and ask for an injunction, and we hope the court will grant our injunction prohibiting federal officials from coercing or colluding with big tech social media to silence Americans' voices in, in violation of the First Amendment. And then I think there needs to be a longer-term conversation about what kind of protections these big tech social media companies should have. It's yeah. bad enough when big tech social media uh, censors conservative voices. It's worse when the federal government gets involved, and that's what the case Missouri v. Biden has exposed. I love the job you're doing. It's the Attorney General of the Great State of Missouri, Andrew Bailey. Andrew, come back again, would you? Hey, appreciate you. Thank you. Hey, thanks so much. We're back after this. Stay right here. You're listening to Joe Pags. Really appreciate talking to the new uh, Attorney General of the great state of Missouri. It is um, Andrew Bailey. Really good stuff. you got to go after these prosecutors that aren't prosecuting crime. You've got to go after the prosecutors that don't care about law enforcement and don't care to keep you safe. That's exactly what these people are doing that are getting in office because of George Soros. He's spending millions of dollars to fundamentally change this country, and we can't sit back idly by and let it happen. The next hour, you do not want to touch that dial because the case of Kerry Lake versus Katie Hobbs in Arizona is not over. I don't know you knew that, but it's not over. Oh, it's true. Um, Katie Hobbs was sworn in as the governor, but there are so many issues as far as what happened last election day in Arizona, specifically Maricopa County, Arizona. You're going to want to get the update from Carrie Lake. It is not over yet. They're now bringing the case to the Supreme Court of Arizona. She hopes that they'll take it. The details, you're not going to want to miss a second of this, okay? Make sure you stick around for that, plus much more, including some sound bites from Joe Biden who I don't think they gave him the Adderall today. We'll have that for you as well. If you want to watch it, JoePags.com. Click on Watch Now. Keep it here. This is The Joe Pags Show.